You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, if you look with me to the book of Genesis, easy to find. It's the first book, Genesis chapter 2. Today we're launching a new series on relationships. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about both the challenge and the blessing of relationships. How many of you know relationships can be a huge blessing in our lives? How many of you know they can be a, a huge challenge? For how many of you, it's a challenge sitting beside you? You have to raise your hand on that one. But over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to look to God's Word, and we're, and we're going to talk about some biblical principles as to how we can invest in relationships. How we can build into our relationships to bring life out of them. I've, I've heard it said before that, that life is all about relationships and everything else is just the details. I think that's so true. I mean, that's how critical relationships are in our lives. I mean, this is what I've discovered in my own life. Like, if relationships are good, then life is... It's good. Relationships are bad. In the family... In the church family, in the community, relationships, bad life. So, so the quality of our life is really determined by the quality of our relationships. And we want, that's why we want to spend some time talking. And even this morning, I'm going to share some really simple principles for you. You know, one of the things I've come to discover, I'm 52 and I've been like walking with Jesus since I was four, reading the Bible, memorizing scripture since I was four. One of the things I've come to discover is that the principles and the truths of God's Word are not difficult to understand. But it's a challenge to live them out. So what I'm going to talk with you about today in relation to marriage is really not complicated. Matter of fact, some of you may walk away and say, couldn't you come up with anything better than that? (laughs) They're they're simple principles. For me, making marriage work is not rocket science. It's about four or five principles that you diligently... It's like your finances. So you, you don't have to be like some master degreed individual to do well in your finances. There's about four or five financial principles. If you put those four or five financial principles to work, your finances will work. Same with marriage. There's about three or four or five principles in marriage. And I guarantee if you put those principles to work, your marriage will work. And I think it's weird. It's interesting for me in the Bible. I mean, I mean Jesus said this. He said, uh, all of the law is summed up in two things. Love God and love your neighbor. How many of you know that's not complicated? How many of you understand that? Love God. Okay. Love my neighbor. Okay, got it. How many of you know it's a whole lot harder to live out? And that's the same way it is. is, is we, in a minute, we're going to get to marriage and talk about the marriage relationship in this series that we've titled The DNA of Relationships. So why would we call it The DNA of Relationships? If, if you can think of it like this, you are hardwired for relationship. You want to be wanted. You, you want to be needed. You, you, you have a desire within you to connect with someone else that brings value in your life, not just in the marriage relationship, but in relationships in general. So at the very core of your being, you have this genetical wiring, this genetic makeup that makes you a relational being. 
And as we connect in relationship, it's then that we find fulfillment, we find life, we find fun, we find happiness, we find joy. If you think about it, just reflect with me for a moment. The most exciting, fulfilling experiences in your life have all been around relationship in some way. Would you agree with that? Think about graduating from high school or college. You celebrated what? With friends and family. Think about um, when you got married. Pretty big deal. Uh, all about relationship. Right? It's a big day. Marriage with the wedding is a big day. Think about when you had your first child or your second child. Was it pretty exciting when that child said their first word, when they took their first step? My, my point is, is like everything that's fulfilling and life-giving that's happened in your life has been somehow connected to relationship. Nod your head if you believe that. The other side of the coin is the most painful experiences in your life have also been connected to relationship. There was a conflict that ended a lifelong friendship. There was issues that went unaddressed and the marriage that you thought would never end has ended. There's the pain that's afflicted by a family member who takes advantage of who does you wrong. And I could go on and on. But the greatest moments in our lives, what we would mark is like, man, fulfilling days around relationship. But again, the most painful around relationship. You know, I was thinking this personally for me, and I think probably the same is true for you. I can be having an awesome, unbelievable day, like over the top, on a scale of one to ten, a ten day, and someone can come up and drop a relational explosion on me, and it messes up my awesome day. Right? Or, you can be having like a terrible, challenging day and someone can come up and make an, a relational investment. They can speak life to you. They can affirm. They can encourage. And what all of a sudden a bad day becomes a good day. Yeah, that's the power, the influence, the influence of relationship. If you think about it, everything in life that truly matters can be boiled down to relationship. That's what we've called this the, the DNA of relationships because we're wired for that. As you think about, as you think about the way God fashioned us and the way God's made us, I think we have to start with this: we we were made for relationship. The Scripture says that we have been created in the image and likeness of God, and what we know about God is what He's a relational God. So first, we are made, created, fashioned for relationship. Not only fashioned for relationship. But every one of us in the room are made with a capacity to choose. Now, you don't get to choose all of your relationships. How many of you know you didn't choose your mom and dad? Right? Um, if you birthed your children, you get to choose your child. So, so there's some relationships in life that you don't get to choose. They're defined. They're determined. But yet God's given each of us the ability to choose. And we get to choose how we're going to invest in relationships. And how you invest in a relationship will determine, to a great degree, the outcome of that relationship. So now we made for a relationship. God's given each of us the ability to choose. And then you are made to take responsibility for yourself. 
And then we're talking about this whole DNA of relationship. There's a lot of things in your life that happen that are out of your control, but what you can always control is who? Say you. Yeah, you can always control you. You When you come to a relational crisis, whether it's in the family or a marriage or parenting or... Listen, don't believe the lie that you have no choice. Listen, we have lots of choices. I'm responsible for me. Am I going to engage or am I going to withdraw? Charlotte and I have a big blow up. I know you think the pastor and his wife never fight, but we have some pretty good ones. Um, (laughs) Am I going to engage or am I going to withdraw? It's a choice. Am I going to... Am I going to take responsibility for me? Am I going to forgive or am I going to hold on to? That's a choice. Am I going to take responsibility for my actions that impact and affect the relationship? Whether I'm talking about staff, with the elders, in my family, with my marriage. Um, so we're, we're all in, involved in and engaged in some way. Really. So we wanted to take four weeks just to talk about Relationship. I'm going to focus in this morning on marriage. Now, here's the challenge for me, as I know that there's a number of folks here this morning who are not married. Now, there's a number of folks who are married. If you're here today and you're married, would you raise your hand? Okay. Great. If you're here today and you're not married, but you want to be married. Oh, okay. But well, we may make a few connections here. <laughs> GraceCovenantMatch.com. I see that. <laughs> How many of you are here today and you're married and you don't want to be married? <laughs> don't, ra- don't, don't raise your hand on that one. The tendency is oftentimes, and this is my challenge as a communicator, is that when I'm talking about a specific subject, I realize that there may be a number of folks here who say, well, you know, that subject really doesn't relate to me, so I'm just going to check out. And I would encourage you this morning, don't check out. Because listen, one day you may be married. Yeah, it will never happen. Well, who knows what God has for your future. Or maybe you have a friend who's struggling in their marriage. And there's some principles this morning that you're going to catch that can help them in their struggle. So I would encourage you, uh, stay checked in this morning as we talk about marriage. You know, it's been said that marriage is like twirling a baton, turning handsprings, or eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. And when you try it, you realize, wow, this is more challenging than I thought. You know, the common thinking today in our culture, especially in the Western culture, is this. We're going to have a wedding and the marriage just happens. And I would tell you, that is a big, fat lie. You don't have the wedding and the marriage just happens. If you want the marriage to happen, the marriage takes work. It requires investment. I would say it like this. If you want your marriage to work, you have to go to work. And if you're not willing to work, hear me, it won't work. If you're not willing to invest, it won't work. It requires what? Ongoing, ongoing investment. So as we think about marriage, marriage was not man's idea. Marriage was God's idea. It was God who came up with marriage. And so this morning, we want to look to his blueprint for how can we build a healthy, vibrant marriage relationship. So we're going to go all the way back to the the beginning, the the, uh, creation story, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. 
Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. But a man gave name to all the livestock, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. But for Adam, notice, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Notice verse 24. This is what we're going to focus in on this morning. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So here we have in this creation story, we have God speaking everything that we know into existence. I mean, he created the the sun and the moon, he created the trees and the grass, he created the, the birds and the livestock, he created man, and it was all good. But yet in this creation account, we find the problem. The problem was, is there was no suitable helpmate, helper, partner, companion for Adam. And so in this, we see God, <clears throat> the scripture says, and I don't know exactly how this happened, but the scripture says God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, took a rib, and from the rib, from a cell, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, from a cell, out of Adam's being, he created the woman. He woke Adam up. The scripture says that God brought, the, the, uh, brought Eve to Adam, and Adam, for the first time, laid his eyes on Eve, and he said, whoa, man, that's how we get the word woman. <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know. But Adam was pretty excited because because God presented to him his companion, his wife, his partner. And in this text that we just read, we see that God created the marriage relationship. And as God created the marriage relationship, I believe that he gave us a blueprint, a plan as to how to make marriage work. I don't think God just like placed Adam and Eve together in the garden and said, hey, go figure it out. No, God the Creator created marriage. And He says, hey guys, here's the plan. And I want to summarize it into three words, and I've kind of made them rhyme. So hopefully they're going to stick in your mind and and something you can work out. But I believe that this is God's plan, Genesis 2.24, for building a healthy, vibrant marriage. Three words, here they are. Leave, cleave, and weave. So let's say those together. Leave, cleave, and weave. One more time. Leave, cleave, and weave. And you're wondering, what in the world does those three words have to do with building a healthy marriage? So let me take the next couple of minutes and walk you through what I believe, again, God's blueprint for vibrant marriage. First, first you must leave. Leave. The marriage relationship must take priority over every other earthly relationship. Look back to verse 24. The first part reads like this. For this reason, a man will leave. 
leave. Will leave its father and mother. Listen, when you say I do to the one that you say I do to, that individual must become the greatest priority in your life. And that relationship, the marriage relationship, as you entered into that covenant relationship, it must become the most significant relationship in your life, second only to your relationship with God the Father. The most important, the most significant. It's the pride. It's not that you don't love your parents anymore. It's not that you don't love your family anymore. Not that you don't love your friends anymore. But this is what I believe God was saying, is that every other relationship becomes secondary to the primary. The primary is the marriage relationship. Again, it is the most significant. If you're married, the most significant relationship in your life today should be your, your marriage relationship. That it has first priority. So to leave. Yeah, I, I learned this principle the hard way early on in our marriage. When I was 17, I moved out on my own. There was a house that became available across the street from my parents. So 19, 1983, 17, right out of high school, I bought a house in 10 acres and I moved out. Kind of. Um, I moved into the house. I was living in the house. However, every week I would take my laundry over to mom and she continued to do my laundry. And I happened to be able to time it exactly right every evening. I knew when dinner was going to be on the table. So I lived in a different address, but I kept showing up at mom and dad's. 1986, Charlotte and I got married March the 15th, 1986. And uh, I don't know, this was in the first month of our marriage. One day I finished work and I was coming home and I just stopped by mom and dad because that's what I always did. And would you know, mom and dad had this unbelievable spread on the table. And I'd only been a month into marriage and I was already tired of hamburger helper. <laughs> My wife's not here. I know she's at another campus today, so I'm safe saying that. I was tired of hamburger helper and mom had this spread on the table and I thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy a meal. And so I sat down and enjoyed a meal with my mom and dad. And, and then I got up and I went home to my wife and she had dinner on the table. And I said, I'm not hungry. I just stopped at mom's and had dinner. Yeah. We had some communication. And she did most of the talking. Interesting. But I learned a lesson the hard way. Here's my point. I had left, but I hadn't left. I'd moved out on my own, but I was still holding this relationship with my mom and dad. I was allowing it to have a place of greater significance than my relationship to my wife. Created a problem. I I left, but I, I didn't leave. In a marriage relationship, the husband and wife must continually invest in the marriage relationship as the first priority, first priority of all earthly relationships. We're to give time, attention, and care to our spouse first. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to give your marriage relationship the leftovers of your life. How many of you like leftovers? I actually, I'm, a, I'm okay with leftovers for a day. Yeah, it's easy, out of the refrigerator, pop it in the microwave, 90 seconds, you know, you're, you're having dinner. I, I'm okay with leftovers for, for a day. But into the third or fourth or fifth day of the same leftovers, I'm not interested. Unacceptable. 
I know where the Arby's is at. (laughs) I get tired of it. Here's one of the things that's that's challenging marriages today. Is we give leftovers. We give leftovers to our marriage partner. They get the leftovers of our time. They get the leftovers of our energy. They get the leftovers of our communication. And I know this because it's a challenge in my own life. Listen, I talk all day, every day. It's part of what I do. I'm, I talk. I'm in meetings. I'm running meetings. I'm speaking. I talk. I talk. I talk. And I go home. Guess what? I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> Guess who wants to talk? <laughs> If I'm not careful, I give my wife the I bring the leftovers to the marriage relationship. <coughs> so if that's you this morning, and you would say, uh, "I've been bringing the leftovers. My marriage partner's not been the first priority." And I would say today's an opportunity to make an adjustment. So here's a question for you this morning before we go on to the next point, the next statement. Thinking about, your, if you're married, thinking about your marriage, how many of you would say that your marriage has first priority? And if you're having a problem answering that question, just ask your mate. Dangerous. Dangerous, but, but they'll tell you. So first is Leave. The priority, the priority of of the marriage relationship. Here's the second component of God's plan for a healthy marriage. Wow, really quick. Cleave. The marriage relationship is a covenant-based relationship. And it's based on this. It's based on commitment. If you read on in in verse 24, Genesis 2.24, Scripture says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with. Made one with the why. The union of two people in marriage is so strong, the word cleave is used to describe what happens. Cleaving is like this permanent relational bond. It's like taking two metals, melting those metals, and blending them together and creating an alloy, creating a new substance. There's that blending of life. So what we're, we're cleaving, this concept of cleaving is the act of being so committed to the marriage relationship that you don't allow the issues of life to bring separation. That's why we, we call it the marriage covenant, not the marriage contract. See, God didn't create a marriage contract. God created a marriage covenant, a covenant relationship. Oftentimes today, when we think of marriage, we think of contract. Now, I know on the wedding day, because I've done a lot of weddings, there's paper that I sign, there's witnesses that sign. We send it to Mecklenburg County, we send it to Idaho County Courthouse. I know there's a legal document according to the state. But I tell you this morning, as God created the marriage relationship, He didn't create it as a contractual relationship, it's a covenant relationship. And there's a big difference between the the concept of, of covenant and contract. Matter of fact, listen as I read these, these contrasts. Contracts are often made for like a limited period of time. Where a covenant relationship is binding for life. Contracts are based on legalism and leverage. Covenant is based on love and loyalty. 
Contracts are based on, a, on an if-then mentality. If, if, I, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. Where covenant is based on steadfast love and commitment. <clears throat> Contracts are motivated with, by the desire to get something. Covenants are initiated for benefit of the other person, not self. Listen, God's plan is that we would engage in a marriage covenant relationship where there's a bond, where there's a commitment as we are, as we are cleaving to our marriage partner. So to cleave to the husband and wife, three statements there in your notes. First, we have to address the issues that would bring division. How many of you know there's issues in marriage? Come on. There's issues in marriage. Let me tell you why there's issues in marriage. You know, this whole statement of two becoming one sounds so romantic, doesn't it? Oh, and two will become one. (laughs) But there's a challenge behind that. And here's the challenge. For two people to become one, as defined in Scripture, for two to become one moving into a covenant relationship, this is what it means. It means two individuals have to die to themselves that they might truly become one. Can I tell you where the problem lies? None of us want to die. Matter as I interact with a lot of people about marriage, uh, what I've discovered is the number one problem in marriage relationship is selfishness. And it manifests in a lot of different ways. It can manifest in a sexual way. It can manifest in a financial way. It can manifest with children. It manifests in a lot of different ways. But when it's all pulled down, it comes back to a point of selfishness. Somebody doesn't want to die. And two can't become one until, again, two individuals die. And it's that that creates the issues. So to cleave for a husband and wife means this. We address the issues that could bring division. Always interesting. I don't do a lot of this anymore. I used to do a lot of premarital counseling. Meeting with couples before they get married. They come into my office and they both want to sit in the same chair. It's like, come on. And I try to tell them, it's like, hey, when y'all get married, you're going to have problems. And they just have this gleam, this, a gleam on their face like they're not even hearing what I'm saying. So I say it again. Look, listen, you are going to have problems. It's like they're not hearing me. Like they don't get it. Six months later, they're back in my office after the wedding. And well, they want to talk about the problems, right? But there's issues. So to cleave means, well, it means we address the issues. We confront the issues. We talk about the issues. This is what I've come to discover. If you don't talk about the issues, the issues will wreck the marriage. So we, we surface the issues. I think secondly, to cleave means a husband and wife love with grace and forgive offenses while addressing the problem. In other words, we have to, we have to be willing to let stuff go. You, you can't carry baggage forward. You, you can't have a filing system where we remember all the stuff of the past. You have to be willing to let it go. You have to be willing to give grace. And it's really simple. The reason for this is really simple. Is you're married to someone that's really messed up. And some of you saying, praise God, I'm glad someone else would, would confirm what I've already believed. But you're, you're married to someone that's messed up, and they married you, and you're messed up. Again, it's the reality of our humanity. So in the midst of that, what does, it, what does that mean? It means that 
man, somebody's not going to get it right. And it's going to happen quite often. That's why grace becomes so critical in a marriage relationship. I can tell you, without grace, you're not going to be able to cleave. Without grace, you're not going to be able to stay together. Somebody's going to check out. So when we need grace, grace that forgives while addressing the problem. I think a third way that we can cleave to our mates is by making time for ongoing communication. The communication is critical. I could do a whole sermon on communication. So you have, you have to communicate. And the challenge is time, right? How can I make time? Where can I find the time? You have to find the time. Listen, turn off the TV, put down the mobile device, look at your mate and have a conversation with them. So communication is critical. If, if, if you have a communication problem in your marriage, you have a marriage problem. For me, it's that simple. If you're not communicating, you have a marriage problem and you need help. And it's okay to say, hey, I need help. I don't know why we've made it so difficult for individuals to say, I need help. Listen, if you had chest pains, you would go see a doctor. If you had a toothache, you would go see a dentist. If you have a marriage problem, it's okay to say, hey, I need a coach. I need a counselor. I need help. We need help. If we're not figuring this thing out. So again, if you have a communication problem in your marriage, what do you have? You have a marriage problem. And if you don't address that marriage problem, then you're going to have a challenge cleaving. Staying committed, living out covenant relationship. So we're going to leave, we're going to cleave. Here's the third word, we're going to weave. The marriage relationship requires ongoing investment. If you look back to verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and notice they will become one flesh. I think this concept of weaving means that you're continually investing and you're continually building strength into the marriage relationship. When I think of weaving, the kind of the word picture that comes to my mind is what happens when you take a string or a yarn and you begin to weave a number of those together. If you were to take a single string or a single strand of yarn, you can easily break that, right? But if you take a number of those strings, a number of those yarns, and you begin to weave those together, you begin to braid those together, before long, what do you have? You have a rope that has strength. No longer can you snap it. No longer can you break it. While there's been a weaving process that's built strength in the room in the same fashion, in the same way. But we have to continually invest in the marriage relationship. Listen, the quality of a marriage relationship will be directly related to what two individuals invest in the relationship. Let me say that again. The quality of a marriage relationship will be directly related to the investments to individuals, not one individual. Listen, one person can't make a marriage work. Say it again. One person on your own can't make a marriage work. But what two individuals invest in the marriage will determine the quality of the marriage. So if you have bad marriage, listen, don't blame the government. Don't blame your mom. Don't blame your dad. 
Don't blame the pastor. First, look at yourself. Because at the end of the day, the quality of the marriage is determined by the quality of the investment. If you don't invest, it won't happen. If you don't work, it won't happen. I'm telling you. That's why you have to continue to weave. You have to continue to invest into your mate, into the marriage relationship. I believe that we... We have a vibrant, lasting marriage when we do these three things. I'll give them to you quickly and I'm finished. The first is we build a foundation of trust through honesty. Listen, trust is critical in a relationship, especially the marriage relationship. Listen, if you don't have trust, you won't have relationship. So how do, we, how do we build trust? How do we gain trust? It's really simple. We gain trust through being consistently honest, dependable, consistent, consistent in our lives. That's how we build trust. Interesting thing about trust is it takes a long time to gain trust and you can destroy it in just a couple minutes. It can be gone. So you want to you weave help into the marriage relationship? Be honest. Speak truth. Be consistent. And in that what you build trust, and trust becomes a foundation. Here's the second way that you can weave a vibrant, lasting marriage is this. Try to be the biggest servant in the house. The biggest servant. In other words, don't look to the marriage for what you can get. Look to the marriage for what you can give. Don't, listen, don't go into the relationship thinking, okay, what can I get? No, it's, it's about what can I give? How can I serve? You and... Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue of marriage, the marriage relationship. Chapter 5, about verse, I think it's 18 down through 25. First, he addresses the wife. He says, you know, wives, submit to your husband. Come, come under the leadership of your husband. Serve your husband. And then in verse 25, he says to the husband's husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Men, that one verse should make you shake in your boots. I believe this morning that the greatest responsibility is to the men. Matter of fact, just this past week I was talking with someone and I, with great love and grace, put my finger in a man's face and I said, you need to man up and lead in your home. Your wife is crying out for you to lead in your home. Men, it's your job to set the pace. Men, it's your job to lead, to serve your wife. Get this, as Christ served the church. How did Christ serve the church? Think about it. He died. He put our interest above His own. He died died that He might serve us. Listen... In the marriage relationship, how do you weave this marriage relationship? Try to be the biggest servant in the house. This is what I believe. If you show me a man who's trying to outserve his wife, and you show me a wife who's trying to outserve her husband, I'll show you a thriving, healthy marriage relationship. Again, but this is not complicated to understand. Maybe a challenge to walk out. But Jesus said, "Hey, serve." Here's the third way we can weave a vibrant, lasting marriage. It's this. Be grateful for your spouse and don't take them for granted. You know, there's a danger, if you're here today and you're married, there's a danger that you're facing. If you've been married, say, for more than six months. 
There's a danger. And here's the danger of being lulled into complacency. Of coming to the place that you're taking for granted. That you're not grateful for. You know, here's the sad reality. The honeymoon, the honeymoon doesn't last forever. Life starts happening. You get busy. There's demands. There's pressures. There's the first child. There's the second child. Years begin to pass. And you lose sight of the wonder of the gift that God has given you. You lose sight of the privilege. And I, look at my, I look at myself and I say, wow, God, what a privilege you've granted me that I would be able to serve Charlotte. Now, I, I never want to lose sight of that. But this is what I know. Just, just the, the mundane activities of life can cause you to lose the awe and wonder of the gift that God's blessed you with. And then you begin to take for granted. You're not grateful for you just, you assume on. And in that, what happens? The marriage relationship begins to get stale. Begins to get dry. And if, if that continues over a period of time, you begin to say, okay, what happened to the marriage relationship? You begin to take for granted. You, you, you lost gratitude. And I challenge you this morning, be grateful. Be grateful to God. For the gift that He's given you. And man, be grateful. Be grateful to your marriage partner. To your spouse. So what's God's plan for a thriving marriage relationship? Again, I believe the blueprints in Genesis 2.24. I sum it up with this. Three words. Leave. Cleave. Weave. The marriage relationship has to be the first priority, most significant of all your earthly relationships it can't be second and survive it has to be first we're cleaving in other words we're entering into a covenant relationship, we're committed we're committed not because of what we can get, we're committed because of what we can give and then we we're just, we're investing investing, investing Listen, if you haven't read a book on marriage in the past year and you're married, you need to. Take a marriage class. Listen, don't, don't settle for like some mundane existence when it comes to marriage. Be willing to weave into the relationship that you might experience the wonder of what God intended when He created the marriage relationship. I want to leave you with a quote from Dr. Graham. I think he says it so well. He says, A good marriage is not made in heaven, but on earth. And love is fra- it's a fragile commodity which needs to be cultivated and nourished constantly. Ongoing. Investing. The Holy Spirit helps us. I pray specifically, especially for those today, Lord, who are here, who are married. Lord, I pray that they would Lord, respond this morning to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they would make the necessary adjustments, the right adjustments, God, that they need to make 
I don't know what those might be, but Lord, what I know is that every marriage is in an ongoing process. And Lord, my prayer would be today is that we would take the necessary steps as husbands and wives to make the right investment, to take the right action, that we might enjoy, God, what you intended when you created the covenant relationship of marriage. Now, Lord, I pray as well for those who are here today who are in a place where they would say, hey, I, I want to be married. I want to find that godly man. I want to find that godly woman. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would get them ready for the future that you have before. Lord, in that timing, that you would bring that right man, that right woman, that they would be able to enjoy God, what, what you brought forth there in the Garden of Eden as you created the marriage relationship. Holy Spirit, again, I ask that you would help us take these principles and put them to work. And, and Lord, as well, if there's marriages in crisis today in this place, men and women who are wondering, is this going to work? Can we make this work? Should we get a divorce? Lord, I pray today... I pray today that their attention would be captured and that they would seek out the help necessary to bring their marriage to what it can be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.